Welcome everybody to episode 35 of Genre Catch-Up, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of new genre film, hosted by two film experts. I'm your host, Trevor Dillon, and allow me to introduce my co-host, the Fauci of film, it's Adam Cervantes Wagner. What's up, Adam? Wow, that is high praise, my friend. Thank you. Adam, we're starting this podcast 50 minutes late. Care to tell the listeners why? <laughs> well, so what happened was I woke up early because I had to pre-order this video game thing. Uh, and then I went back to sleep. And then uh, I woke up or, 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 as I was falling asleep. I was like, well, Trevor hasn't set a time yet. I should say 12 o'clock because I got to go take care of some stuff later. So I texted you 12 o'clock and then I went to sleep figuring that you were going to say fine. Uh, and then I just woke up late. Right. So, yeah, all that preamble could have just been cut down to you woke up late. Right. Well, I, I want the, the listeners to sympathize with me a little bit here. Yeah, listeners, the, there's no sympathy to be had here. The gentleman woke up late and I had to wait around for 45 minutes doing <laughs> nothing but just sitting here stewing in my thoughts on these films. Um, welcome, everybody, to Genre Catch-Up. So what this is is every once in a while we like to step away from our uh, main feed episodes and we like to catch up on some new stuff that we've been seeing uh, either at the movie theaters or at home. Uh, this week we're going to be discussing three uh, very shortly titled movies, I guess. Uh, in order, we'll be talking about A24 Zola. We'll be talking about the Nick Cage movie Pig. And then we'll be talking about the new M. Night Shyamalan film Old. Adam, let's just get into it. Let's just do it. Um, let's talk about Zola. Where did you watch Zola? How did you watch Zola? And uh, let's just chat. Yeah, I watched at Zola at home. Be ready, Batu. Hi, bitch! You want to hear a story about how me and this bitch fell out? It's kind of long, but it's full of suspense. Um, I rented it from Amazon. It was a little bit more expensive because it's a new movie, but it was nicer to like have that opportunity, you know? Right. Where did you watch it? Uh, this is where I get back at you for making me wait 50 minutes. I didn't watch the movie, Zola. Oh, my God. <laughs> I never got around to it. Unbelievable. Here we go. <laughs> I texted you last week because it's going to cost me 20 bucks. I'm thinking... Hey, are you sure we're going to be able to talk about Zola? You're going to have it watched, right? And you said, yes, of course. I've never been more justified in my skipping of a movie. Um, Zola's been out for like four weeks. A, it's it's dated at this point. People aren't going to care about it. And B, I played it at my theater for a week and still didn't make time to see it. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know how to put this other than that might just be my quote-unquote thoughts on the movie. Until I do, I will catch up on it and I will see it because I'm hearing a lot of people saying simply that it's very fun. I'm, I'm hearing something wow. special. We'll get your thoughts on it, of course. But um, At two, Trev Tay. <laughs> when you were 45 minutes late, I went, boy, am I going to feel comfortable just saying on the podcast that I did not watch <laughs> one-third of the movie. And I, I had a month to watch this movie, but... I think that says a little bit about the state of A24. We're on the eve of The Green Knight coming out. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I'm excited about that movie. I'm not hugely into like medieval movies and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think this is a little bit of an indictment on A24, my part. And I love A24 and the output they've been putting out. But it's like Zola just kind of feels like just another A24 movie to me. Uh, t tell the listeners what you thought of it. Um, of course, you're going to be the only one with a real opinion here. Well, I have to agree with you there. And I feel like... Uh... I didn't see the trailer for Laham yet that was announced earlier this week. 
But again, it it does get me feeling that same way. Like, all right, A24 is doing another A24, you know. It's And it's less exciting than, say, something like Annapurna, which I've been really into lately. Um, I don't know. Are, are you as hot? Do you think this is the cooling of A24? Uh, um, it, it's, it certainly feels like it to me because you make a good point there where um... – you know, we're big uh, Cannes Film Festival freaks, and they picked up uh, I th- I, more than two movies probably, but the two they picked up, of course, were After Yang, the new Kaganata movie, which is like what you just said. Yeah, great. Like, that makes total sense. A24 picked up an A24 movie, but the trailer for Lamb that just came out a couple days ago, I am interested in the movie, and I think it looks really good, really weird, really fun, but it just looks almost too on brand for A24. Is Is the snake eating its own tail at this point? I mean, like... Zola just feels like I'm just like we've seen this like we've we've seen this type of movie from um, you know Riley Keough we've seen this type of movie from A24 and again I'm not gonna be there's a meme that I saw the other day where someone like unravels a piece of paper and, and it says like I haven't seen the movie but and then they just throw it away and say oh this is fucking trash um, uh, so I am the one sitting here being like I, I'm not saying anything bad about Zola I'm sure it is a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should never be speaking about a movie that I straight up have not seen. <laughs> uh, of course, having it played at the theater for a week, I did watch a good amount of it going in and out, and I'm sure the narrative is not the most important thing about that movie. Um, but it did it did seem like a lot of fun. But I don't want to I don't want to ramble about it. You tell me what you thought of Zola. Um, yeah, so I, I I had a few friends who went to go see it, and I got kind of mixed reviews from them. But I did end up enjoying it actually uh it's kind of a bummer you didn't see it i was gonna say this movie reminded me a lot of our relationship long pause <laughs> uh mostly because it's like I, do you know the the story of this movie yeah i, I do yeah I, i've read the entire well that's the other thing is that you can just catch this entire story by reading a string of tweets <laughs> yeah i think i think actually the directing is the strength here where where most of the story kind of feels uh hollow maybe a little bit like not too much there but it was still enjoyable and that's kind of uh, the the way that it's done i think is is really solid um but i think you know it's about this these uh strippers and one of them zola is is meets this new stripper who and they're kind of friends and they say they're going to go down to florida to strip and zola's like all right i'll go with you Mm-hmm. Uh, and then down there, Zola gets entangled because the stripper is actually a prostitute and she has a pimp and the pimp's sex really worker. scary. Right. Uh, sex worker. <laughs> and anyway, it just reminded me of our relationship because it's like, uh, you know, you and I working at the Frida and then you want to start a podcast and then you dra- drag me into it and then I can't leave. Uh, <laughs> and I don't even watch the movies. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, other, otherwise, or other than that, it's actually pretty funny. Um, it finds its footing, I think, later on in the movie with its humor. I, I thought it was hilarious at one point, especially with, you know, Greg from Succession. I don't know the actor's name, but you know who I'm talking about. Right, yeah. Um, he did a great job. But they all they all did a great job. And I, I, I think it's just... But you're right. It is just another sort of... Uh, I don't even put a fish-out-of-water movie in a way. Like a dark fish-out-of-water that I would see from A24. Right. But does it have a... And this is kind of a fun thing where I get to ask you questions about a movie I haven't seen. Um, is it like a... Is there a strong perspective to it through the direction or through the point of view of Zola herself? You know, did you... Did, did, does any of that work in the movie's favor? Is it a strong take on it? Or is it just kind of like we're just watching these events unfold? No, I think so. I think uh, like... There is sort of a, a pivotal scene 
where um, Zola's about to ditch them, right? And then that's when the... Uh, do we have another word for pimp? Uh, no, I, I believe they're just called pimps still. <laughs> and that's when the pimp, uh, you know, he's this nice-talking, smooth-talking dude. He's in the Candyman trailer. He's the one narrating it. Um, his name is Coleman Domingo. You probably don't know that, Trevor, since you didn't see the movie. Yeah, um, no, I know of Coleman Domingo, yes. He's, he's uh, a great actor. But uh, he, 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 he's very smooth-talking. Then all of a sudden, as Zola's about to leave, he goes into this, like, heavy accent and he's saying these very scary things to her to get her back in the car mm-hmm. um and i you know you see that through zola's eyes and i thought that was terrifying um yeah i, th- I think it has a good uh sort of narration to it which obviously is where the movie's based i also think it has a very confident way of telling its story i don't know if it was completely refined but there are these moments where um we go back to the scene of Zola and her friend um, who are putting on their makeup, but they're progressively get more worn out as they're doing it in the mirror. And there's right. like this really entrancing sort of music as the camera sways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that aspect of it. I thought it, it really worked. Yeah. I mean, from the little clips I've seen from it, um, I, I, it did look stylistic, interesting. A lot of, not a lot of, um, Whatever you call those, like oh, like a time lapse. I saw a lot of time lapse stuff going on, some montage mm-hmm. and some handheld stuff while they're driving down the freeway and listening to music and having fun and stuff like that. I never walked in on like a dramatic part, you know what I mean? But I'm sure I'm sure that they exist in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a pretty climactic uh, scene that happens in a hotel room, which is actually it's actually a very interesting scene because it kind of makes us mm, into coleman's character you know like we hate him and we want him to die pretty much the entire movie hmm. but this scene is him being even worse maybe like even more of a bad person but it's it's it kind of wins won me over at least interesting interesting yeah. at the end of this episode we'll do a little bit uh play everyone's favorite game rank them and we'll rank these three movies but uh mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see where you put zola because if it's you know if it's first then i gotta i gotta i gotta check it out but there is a world where I do not see this film. I mean, like it debuted, I believe, I believe it debuted at the 2019 Sundance Film Festival. Hmm. And we're just getting it in like July of 2021, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, um, I'll say, you know. I, I mean, I probably wouldn't have seen it had I not uh, you not uh, promised me that you were going to watch it also. For the <laughs> well, come on. It's like the new A24. It's, it's worth checking out. Um, <laughs> also, this is a genre podcast. What would you consider the genre of Zola to be? Um, that's a good question. Like I said, it is, uh, in terms of its story structure, it's fish out of water. Mm. Um, it's hard to say. I know there's there's an exact sort of button for this, and I was kind of hoping that you would help me out with it, since you're the genre expert. Well, I think that it goes back to what we were talking about. I think someone would truly throw it in a genre that isn't real and doesn't exist, but they'd say it's an A24 movie, and you'd know exactly what it is. And I think that's the problem with A24 right now is that they're just kind of pigeonholing themselves. But branding is very, very – like that's very important to A24, and I understand that. They need to sell their hats and stuff like that. So Yeah, they're worth $30 um, hats. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's move along from Zola. Sounds like you uh, you enjoyed it a little bit for sure Yeah, yeah. Um, by yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's move on uh, to a, a very interesting movie that came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, this is Pig. I'm looking for a truffle pig. Someone stole her. I don't understand. Tell me you are. 
You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. From Neon. See, now here's another uh, studio, a studio that I, uh, we're not going to play Defend Your Tweets here, but I went on Twitter <laughs> saying that I think that Neon, uh, and we've talked about Neon a lot through the Cannes uh, Film Festival episodes and Palm d'Orcs and all that. Um, I think that they have now surpassed A24 in terms of quality, uh, mm-hmm. quality of output. They're Not only do they make films, but they acquire films, whereas like A24 makes films every once in a while. They like their Trey Edward Schultz, their Ari Aster, their uh, Robert Eggler, all dudes, by the way, all white dudes, by the way. Uh, A24, for being so progressive, uh, basically only makes original movies from white dudes. But um, Neon, you know, like like we talked about this, Neon is the studio that made Parasite. They didn't just pick up Parasite when it won the Palme d'Or. Um, but they've won two Palme d'Ors in a row with Parasite and Titan. Um, they've been putting out some really amazing movies. If you're not familiar with what Neon is putting out, I think you can just go to neonrated.com and you can see it. But I believe Pig, and you might want to fact check me on this, but I believe Pig is a movie that they made um, from this first-time director uh, named Michael Sornoski, who also wrote the script. It is about a truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregonian Oregonian wilderness and must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. Um, So, Neon, uh, and A24 has done this before as well marketed this movie a little bit not what it ended up being right they they put right. out a trailer uh that i could tell was cut together to make it look like john wick with a pig and we won't get into spoilers here if you're listening to this don't worry about it um we'll keep it pretty light on this one because uh quite simply the plot and the story of this film is pretty simple uh and uh in my opinion pretty well done because adam i did see this film <laughs> surprise yeah i saw it also uh, i saw it at the frida very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's doing really, really well at the theater. I'm, I'm very happy about that because I love Neon, and I'm, I'm glad they gave us a chance to play it. But um, this was being all over my timeline. Um, oh, it's the return of Nicolas Cage. And it's Cage's best performance in 20 years. And wow, mm-hmm. Cage is actually good in this, and he's trying. And then, you know, there's the other discourse where it's like, just because Cage always tries. You know, that's like mm-hmm. the big thing. It's like he's always trying. It's just the movie that can't match what he's doing, right? Right, yeah, um, exactly. And as you know, Mandy, which is, I mean, not similar to Pig, but Mandy is about the closest you can get to similar Nick Cage recently. Right. Um, is like by three times the most popular movie we've ever played at the Frida. Uh, so Nick Cage is kind of the patron saint around there. Uh, start. Go ahead and start. Let, let's keep it sort of light on spoilers, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I just basically read the story of the movie. But um, <laughs> how did you think Michael Sornowski did here first time out? Uh, yeah, I was pretty impressed, actually. I think there's a, a lot of strength in the directing. Um, I didn't know it was his first time, but it doesn't seem like it. Um, actually, you know, this movie, I would say, is very similar to Mandy in terms of uh, the genre that it is and the uh, story structure. It's just that this movie is sort of exceptionally charming, you know, and really wins you over in the way that it diverges from a normal revenge movie. Um, and I, I think that's what we all expected, right? Is it for it to be a normal revenge movie? And as fans of, the, of this show know, we are masters of genre. We've done three genres already. Of course, we've done space opera. We've done creature feature. And the first thing we did, of course, was revenge. Um, and this was a really fascinating movie to watch uh, after watching all those revenge movies because it is fully, and again, this is not a spoiler. This is just the vibe of the movie. It is a full 
anti-revenge movie, it feels like. There are times when Sornowski is fully taking your expectations of what a normal revenge movie would do and does the exact opposite. Um, and I really, really love that. It was like subversion on the highest level to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cage was very good. He was very, yeah. very good. You know, um, you, you never know what you're going to give. Even when people are praising him on the timeline, I watched the movie and I was like, he is so subdued in this movie. It is really, really nice to see. Uh, Alex Wolf, who we'll, be, who we'll be talking about in a little bit, uh, mm. also very good. Um, I thought he was good in Hereditary. Uh, he's not like my favorite person off screen, but so far on screen to me, I've liked him in everything I've seen him. And then there's a third gentleman in this movie, uh, Adam Arkin, uh, the guy the guy who plays the, the ultimate villain, right? Mm-hmm. He He's great. He's so yeah. good in this movie. Really good voice. Really good delivery. Totally. Uh, awesome casting. Um, I know Cage really uh, was attracted to the material having been kind of this guy who became uber famous for something acting and then uh, kind of just went and lived by himself or with his many wives um in the (laughs) desert away from hollywood uh you know with his with his animals and stuff like that it's funny you said this is similar to mandy because i believe correct me if i'm wrong the pig in this movie is named brandy (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even pick up on that uh, either the either the either the character's name is Brandy or the the pig actor in real life is named Brandy, mm. um, a very very handsome pig. But what yeah, I like you know, about the oh sorry go ahead. It's good that uh, Alex Wolf you know has another big movie under his belt like this because uh, I know he was always upset that people were around clicking at him for Hereditary. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and now people can oink at him. Oink oink oink. <laughs> That's right. You know what? He wore like a pink suit to the Beyond Fest premiere at the New Art, and like mm-hmm. he kept like smiling in a way where I'm like, he's trying to look like a pig right now. I think, and I, and I really really appreciate that. <laughs> I also appreciated how Nick Cage just like looked totally normal, quote unquote, whatever you want to say normal is at the premiere. Like he had a suit. He looked very clean cut. He looked very healthy. I was like, that's awesome, man. I'm like, I'm I'm happy for him. Like okay. I hope to see him sitting around a table like the Golden Globes. I mean. Again, we went over this in the last Palm New York's episode. Who cares about <laughs> the Golden Globes and the Oscars? But I watch them. I'm a sucker for them. I love watching the live tweets. I would love to see him join in. I'm probably not going to see him in Oscar season because they have no no guts. But I could see the Hollywood Foreign Press giving him a Golden Globe nomination just to get him to the show. Yeah, maybe they'll give the movie a foreign language award because it's in <laughs> Seattle. Yeah. Oh, that's one of the best. That's, that's actually. Where did you just say it was? Sorry, it's close to Seattle. It's in Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's even the line in the movie where they say yeah. "fuck Seattle," <laughs> which is pretty good. It's one of the. It's. I think it's like the only outward like joke in the film where we're like yeah. we're supposed to laugh and Cage like almost breaks character and is like, "Yeah, I know, fuck Seattle." <laughs> um, oh, but, you know, I don't know if this is too much of a spoiler, so let me know as I tread lightly into this. Sure. Uh huh. But the the way that this movie sort of is subversive, sub, subvertive, subversive. The way that this movie is subversive is um, like feels like the the universe kind of sent it to me because I know uh, I recommended it to go see it uh, for a friend of mine before I'd seen it, and they went to see it, and they're very uh, against violence. Like they hate, they can't stand watching violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were, I know they were t- telling me about it, and there was that scene. There's a scene in there that is a little bit violent, but not, not so yeah. bad. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, my God, are they going to hate it? And then it turned out, you know, that this movie goes in the direction of choosing 
not violence, you know, specifically in the way yeah. that it does that. And it's just, it's, it's, a, it's really, really, again, charming. Yeah, and I think that the best thing that someone can do as a first-time writer-director on the feature level is just to make something that only they can make. And this movie could have been, it could have fallen into the pit of being, like I said, John Wick with a pig, where it'd be like, oh, you know, oh, great, cool, cage, ha-ha, this is great. But it was so specific to the Portland food scene. It was so specific. Like, there was, every, there was like, clearly Michael Sarnowski knows a thing or two about, like, truffle pig. You know what I mean? Like, right. he knows this stuff. Um, but the themes of it are are generic and universal enough to where the la- the final shot of this movie it, like destroyed me. Like the final shot of this movie is one of my favorite final shots in a movie in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like with the final scene in Train to Busan when we played it at the theater, I will walk into the final scene of Pig every time I can just to watch the final scene. <laughs> it is so good. The score is so great. Cage's yeah. performance is so good. Um, the climax that happens here is so atypical of any climax I've ever seen for a movie. Um, I think it's just really well put together. It's very meditative. Um, I, I, it's pro- I think it's probably the best movie I've seen this year. Yeah, really solid. That that last scene in the the score for it, it really stuck with me. After seeing it, I think it's 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 pretty haunting in its own way, but very beautiful. Uh, this movie ha- also has the added benefit of me having seen it. I liked it. I, w- I was a big fan of the subversion. And then, of course, it plays at the theater I run. So I can walk in and I can I can get it 15 to 20 seconds at a time. I can hear the score. I can I can kind of, like, revisit the emotion in my mind. And it just reaffirms, like, man, yeah, I really liked this movie. You know, like, I, 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 I was testing it to make sure it worked um, last week. And I, it only took me 30 seconds in the beginning to realize that I liked it more than I had initially thought because mm-hmm. I liked the world building. Um, yeah, so strong performances uh, from the pig and the actors. Uh, very <laughs> specific uh, stuff here. Cage is great. Uh, I, I, you know, I love like like a movie like Unforgiven, which is like just such an like an anti western. Oh, yeah. This is very much an anti. This felt like an anti revenge slash western. Um, Absolutely. I, I had one question for you, and it's like it's light spoilers, but not really. It's oh. just a line from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this before they go into a restaurant, uh, Alex Wolf tells one of the people out back. Uh, he just kind of offhandedly says, "Like he's a oh, he's a Buddhist." Do you remember that part? Yeah. Um, what did what did you make of that? Was was he just like saying that to say it, or is because Cage like Cage's character is could be a Buddhist, right? Like that that makes sense. I, 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 I thought it was just to say it, just to be like, oh, he's a, he's a little like quiet and just moves through the world, you know. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just I think that if I looked up like the beliefs of uh, Buddhism, that I might be like drawing direct lines to the film. So I wasn't sure how mu- how serious I should take that. Um, but yeah, I really like the movie. Do, do you have any other yeah. points you wanted to make? Yeah, the last point that I want to make here is is sort of like this movie is sort of exactly what I want or want from John Wick, I guess is the way to put it. Like people really seem to be into John Wick and I've seen the first one and it didn't win me over. Right. Um, but this movie has sort of that, uh, idea of revenge of cool, clever revenge. Um, but also has that sort of secret world that's very compelling, you know? Right. And I think it's very grounded the way that this world is sort of introduced. And I think it's even more exciting maybe than like an underworld of assassins type of thing. No, totally, totally. It, it's because it's just you've never seen anything like it. So um, I just think it's very clever to make a movie first time out like this and just be like, 
am I going to be looking forward to the next Michael Cernowski movie? I don't know. Maybe this is the only story he has to tell. But if he did, great. Then it is what it is. You know what I mean? That happens sometimes. Right, yeah. But I would see a pig, too, for sure. Pig (laughs) chapter two. Pig (laughs) parabellum. Oh, man. That's all. That's really good. I would, I would, I would as well see a pig too. Um, but speaking of strong debut films uh, and possibly only having one story ever to tell, uh-huh. uh, let's move on to our third movie. Uh, this is M Night Shyamalan's Old. Old. What's happening to us? My daughter just turned six two weeks ago. Mom. Whatever's happening to us is happening very fast. You have wrinkles. There's something wrong with this beach. What's happening? Mom! 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 I'm scared! Uh, Adam, what is your history with the filmmaker M. Night Shyamalan? Um, I've seen only a handful of his films, mm-hmm. um, like The Sixth Sense, which I liked. I saw The Last Airbender in theater, which was a mistake. Okay. Um, but this is uh, this is the first time I think I've been excited and wanting to sit down to see one. Now, this was a very special occasion for us, Trevor. Yes. Uh, because this is the first movie ever that we've seen together. Which is, that's fitting, right? Because when an M. Night Shyamalan movie goes into production, I'm like counting down the days till I can see it. <laughs> right. And, you know, to make it even sweeter, uh, folks at home, Trevor bought my ticket. This was a real date. Wait, oh yeah, you haven't paid me back for that. <laughs> so pretty soon I'm going to have to be making uh, cuck jokes to Jen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, much funnier to me. Right. Um, but yeah, go ahead and keep that Keep that 12 bucks for the ticket and we'll, oh. call, it even on, we'll, keep, we'll call it even on the Zola thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's almost fair. Yes, it, it, it's almost fair. Um, so, yeah, we went and saw this uh, in a movie theater together on a Monday night at 10.20 p.m. Because that's mm-hmm. just normal behavior. Uh, and I ended up getting home at like 1-something on a Monday night. Very cool, very cool. <laughs> Speaking of Jen, she was stoked about that. Um, and so should we just – I mean, where do you even start here, right? Because like – I I have so much to say about this movie. It's going to take up probably half the episode. Um, I am a big M. Night Shyamalan guy. Thank you for asking. Uh, and I I love his rebirth since 2015. Obviously, shot out of a cannon with the Sixth Sense Unbreakable signs. Um, two of those are mega massive hits. Huge hits. Unbreakable, pretty big hit. Uh, the Village... Um, pretty big hit, but we start to see the, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The train shaking on the rails, a lady in the water, uh, the train comes off the rails, uh, and then the happening, the train crashes and burns completely. Um, I have never seen the last airbender. Uh, I have never seen after earth. I don't even consider those two movies to be M night Shyamalan films. Uh, so of course I've seen what has been his rebirth essentially, uh, financially and somewhat critically since 2015's The Visit. Um, I have huge respect for him uh, because from 2015 on, he has self-financed all of these movies. He has a deal with Universal and sometimes Blumhouse to distribute the films. 
So, you know, the visit costs $5 million, split costs an unbelievable $8 million and makes like $250 million worldwide. It's a huge hit. Um, the visit makes $100 million worldwide. Um, Glass uh, is like one of, was one of my most anticipated movies maybe ever on a $25 million budget because you have to pay Bruce Willis, right? By the way, I don't have these notes written down. This is just bullshit that's been <laughs> that's just in my right. brain constantly. Um, and, then, and then here uh, you have Old, which... I know he shot on film. I know they shot in the Dominican Republic. It's got a cast. I mean, you know no one's taking up that Bruce Willis money on this cast, but it's a big cast. And he was able to make it for $18 million. Um, and the nice thing about his movies is because Universal Blumhouse sees that he fronts all the money, they can then put a good amount of money into advertising. So uh, what I've been hearing from people is that old is that trailer this year that played before every movie. Every movie you went to see, old was playing before it. And uh, you can't blame Universal because even during a pandemic, they see a potential hit on their hands with an original thriller, which is very, very rare. Um, it finished number one of the box office. It looks like it's going to make just about a little bit of a money, a little, sorry, a little bit of a money, a little bit of a money. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it's going to take them some cash. So, uh, I, I I'll just start there, saying that I'm a big fan of the Shyamalan Sans. Uh, and we will rank, I will rank all of his films that I've seen because old is the 10th M night Shyamalan movie I have seen now. So not only am I a big fan of him, not only is he uber successful in terms of movies, uh, shutting down all of these dumb questions I get of why does Shyamalan still get to make movies? If any filmmaker made this many movies, like what? 12 movies in 20, 20 years. Uh-huh. And they, all of them minus, I think two after earth and lady in the water made money Yes, 10 out of 12 movies making money is going to allow you. And, and he's fronting the money to make the movies. Right. So that answers your condescending dumb question. Come on. Uh, Shyamalan haters. Come on, Sean. <laughs> Wait, who? Sean Milan. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were um, calling out a, a gentleman who's you know by name as a M. Night Shyamalan hater. <laughs> oh, no. Um, okay, Trevor, I'm going to ask you the hard question here. What number out of the 10 is old for you uh, we can't get there yet we got to talk about old okay we can't get there we can't right. get there right. you Where tell you me so we went with a group of four people one Shyamalan uh-huh. hater our buddy Zeeshan past guest uh-huh. of the show fan favorite yeah. you kind of what in the middle of the road you've seen the last airbender and you've seen the sixth sense you know you've seen the pendulum right uh, me a huge huge fan and then uh, uh our buddy Sammy who had never seen an M. Night Shyamalan film. And what I gathered from him is that he kind of liked it. Yeah. Uh, he had a decent time with it. Adam, what did you think of the film Old? No, I, I, this is a setup, man. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just so that people know, we're not going to get into spoilers. We'll just talk about the basic premise. Then we'll do Rank em. We'll do our little plug segment, and then we'll go into Old Spoilers. Uh, we will talk fully openly about um, Old. But... I'll say this, uh, M. Night uh, is on full display here. For better or worse, just like with the movie Glass, his last film, he. my big takeaway when I walk away from this movie is that no one else could have made this movie. Uh, you're, you're avoiding it. You're avoiding it. I'm avoiding what? You're avoiding saying what you thought of this movie. No, I'm telling you what I thought of it. I'm telling you what I thought of it. I wore a full suit to go see this movie. Uh-huh. Everyone got out of the car and was like, oh, were you coming from a meeting? I said, no, I truly was not coming from a meeting. I am wearing my blue suit and my brown dress shoes because this is the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. And 
This movie shows the best and the worst tendencies of M. Night Shyamalan, in my opinion. Uh, and I also learned how much an ending of a film can affect me emotionally. Uh-huh. Because after the film, as Adam knows, I was walking around the parking lot pretty much yelling at my disappointment of M. Night and his, what I'm calling a third act disaster here with Old. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but I have to be very clear. I liked a lot of the setup. I liked a lot of the performances, which is interesting because the clips that were being re- uh, sent out via Universal were showing uh, poor Ken Lung in this movie, who we all know from Lost and Saw. And um, he's the weak link here. I think he, he never quite he never quite grasps um, what's going. I mean, like I don't know what movie he thought he was in, and this is ultimately <laughs> M Night's fault, of course. I'm not blaming Ken Lung; he's a great actor, but mm-hmm. he. We're getting clips of him. Why are they putting out clips of him? There are some pretty decent performances here, um, especially when stuff get, starts getting really crazy. And I know I'm all over the map, but uh, I liked, I will say, like three quarters of this movie quite a bit. I thought it was very, very nasty at times for a PG-13 movie. I thought it got really, really intense at times. I thought it was funny uh, at times. There's obviously going to be some clunky exposition, clunky dialogue. Um, but I, I liked the Twilight Zone setup of it all. Um, I just cannot stand the idea that during the movie we know, because it's being set up so obviously, that there's going to be a twist in this film. Mm-hmm. So by the time we get to the twist... It's like, yeah, we know a twist is coming. And by the way, the twist, quote-unquote, is clever. Like, the story behind the movie is clever. It just adds nothing to the emotional stakes of the movie. And he hits a pretty sweet spot there in the last 20 minutes where there's some really great scenes on that beach. And I think it's completely undermined by the last 10 minutes of the movie. I really do, and it was extremely disappointing. And I'm, I'm able to look past the last 10 minutes of a movie if I liked the first 90 minutes of a movie. So overall, Adam, I enjoyed old. I found it to be very entertaining. I was just left with a very, very sour taste in my mouth leaving the film. Yeah. To be fair, I enjoyed it also. I didn't want to get too into the liking side of it. Cause uh, you know, Zishan Yunus was there and he's the coolest dude in the world. And I didn't want to like come off as uncool. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, he he flat out said he just he said it was it was worse than he was expecting it to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I did enjoy it, but I I really only enjoyed it because it was not very good, you know? Because <laughs> sure. I couldn't tell what was going to happen next. It was so far off from like any sort of sensibility that I would have for, you know, plotting or writing. Right. Um that that I loved it. That I was I was like tense and I didn't know what was going to happen. There was some creepy stuff that definitely came about. I think my biggest question, and I think uh, to you is, as an M. Night Shyamalan fan, does he does he not have someone who just gives him a quick pass on his screenplays and is like, hey, this line is, you know, this is not good. Maybe you should try to make it a little bit more floaty. I think the answer is he does not. I think he is fronting the movie, the money for these movies to specifically just take no notes at all on mm-hmm. any of the stuff. Uh, and it, it's um, it's obviously his biggest weakness. I, I think that even movies like Lady in the Water, The Happening... Well, The Happening is just a travesty of casting, really. But um, I think they just... You're, I mean, you're right. I think they take one pass by someone who knows 
basic story structure or just the idea of eliminating exposition. And uh, there's that's why I'm saying that the strengths are here. Him just putting his emotions on his sleeves and having his character say exactly how they're feeling sometimes really works. And we'll get into it in spoilers. But other times it's just it's just borderline disastrous when it's like, you know, you know what? I was talking about this yesterday. I think there's times where people could take it as like you are insulting the audience right now by explaining this, having a character explain exactly what they're doing. The audience can interpret that as insulting, right? Like it almost mm-hmm. feels like he's treating us like we're dumb. Mm-hmm. But you also have to realize how international M. Night Shyamalan is in terms of his fan base, in terms of how his movies play, in terms of his cast. I mean, this is an extremely diverse cast. Um, almost to the detriment of the film in terms of, like, you have... It's almost like M. Night's not taking into account, like, Vicky Crepes' accent and how she might not be able to say some of these bigger words that he's writing in the script, you know? Like, it almost mm-hmm. seems kind of, like... It comes off kind of strange in that way. Um, but I think sometimes he puts the exposition in for foreign markets. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I guess so. But there's also a lot of little things, and I think I think this the what kind of irks me the most is that he hasn't learned from all his years of filmmaking. Like you know, he it, he hasn't like listened or learned you know the bad parts of of making a movie. I I think that that is why I was so upset. It's like, dude, you've been told so many times not to do what you did in the third act of this movie, and you just refuse to listen. And then a few days removed from it, I'm like, that's the coolest shit of all time. <laughs> like, like the fact that he continually does what he wants to do and gets away with it. You know what I mean? Like, someone can watch old and be like, this is the last M. Night Shyamalan movie. And then it goes number one in the box office on his name. Like, they're selling the movie basically on his name. Right. And he just, how could he learn? Do you know what I mean? If he right. has yes men all around him, how can he possibly learn? But, but, I mean, even outside of that, he watches, I hope he watches, like, good movies regularly. I hope right. he watches, like, he goes back and, like, buys some Criterion films every once in a while. Yeah. He has to know somewhere in his head, like, what makes for a good movie. Totally. No, he and he does, because we've seen, we've seen, <laughs> we've seen the more subtle approach to it. Mm-hmm. But I saw a great quote he gave to IndieWire recently, where he said that, Every time he releases a movie, it's like the kid who dresses himself for the first day of school. And he gets to school and he sees that what he's wearing and what he put together for himself is nothing like everyone else around him. And he said, it's embarrassing. He says, it's embarrassing. He says, I'm embarrassed a little bit every time I put out a movie seeing what some people think of the movie. And he just says like, wow, I really didn't see... And it's like this funny thing where he's like admitting his total lack of Uh self-awareness, but also kind of embracing like, but this is what I like. Like, like I like that I'm wearing these shoes with this shirt. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can respect that for sure. And I can respect it for sure for the first 90 minutes of this movie, and I'm like, that's awesome. Like, uh, Like, for example, no spoilers, but there's a scene in a cave in this movie which feels like a scene directly from like a Japanese horror film that he watched, like the horrors of malformed men or something. Right. And like, he has those influences and you can actually see them. Um, he, he obviously has the uh, twilight zone influences and the, uh, like I said, Japanese horror film. And there's just, it's just a mishmash of all that on this beach. And 
the concept itself is obviously from a graphic novel, but he kind of M nights it up a little bit and he's just such a strong, you know, like my, I told my dad, I saw this movie and he just said, Oh, M night Shyamalan. And my dad doesn't watch like he probably saw the trailer during like a football game or something. And, and it was, you know, uh, it was in the Super Bowl. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it's just, it's just, he's such a brand at this point and he's making movies that are so on brand that I have to I have to respect it. It does not mean I have to like it, but I, I'm a fool and will be very excited when he announces his next project. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll I'm still in the same boat with you, actually. Like, I still want to go see it because there was enough enjoyment here to want to go see what he's going to do next. And I think what I like most is, or what I hate most in a movie is being able to see the structure of a film. And both good movies and really bad movies tend to avoid that. It's it's interesting. It's like you you want, he's like this. He's kind of a paradox in a way of you know exactly what you're gonna get, but you don't have any clue what you're gonna get. Right, and I do kind of like that idea that there is a twist coming. You know, I mean, it doesn't necessarily uh, when it happens, it doesn't really make me feel good. But no. I like the idea of trying to figure out what what is gonna happen. You know, we were talking no, in the totally. parking lot after about some ideas what we thought the twist was gonna be. Totally, yeah, and again, I thought the cl- the twist was quite clever, and I went, dang, they were like showing it to you the whole time, and you still didn't put it together, but it doesn't add anything to the movie, and I don't <laughs> feel satisfied by it in any way. Yeah, it's, plus, it's, it's his worst twist for sure. There's no question. The way that Zishan put it, you know, very apt. Like, it's still full of plot holes. The twist even doesn't really make sense. Totally. <laughs> totally and there's just so much exposition and and again w- we can talk very vaguely about this because we're about to hop into spoilers but th- there's no reason for the reveal that happens in this movie to be a reveal like mm-hmm. if they were showing us that part of everything the whole time the movie still works the exact same if not better but to, for him he loves to withhold all of this information and then just give it to you at the end where you're like wow and it's like no <laughs> like that's it's that this time it really did not work so right. um yeah. i'm giving think... it a 9 out of 10 because i didn't <laughs> no 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 uh let, let's rank them shall we yeah but really quick let me say that my my last comment here um the when I refer to the dialogue, I want to give some specific examples, and it's just from the opening scene where they're driving up to the b- resort that'll eventually take them to the beach that makes you old. Yes, um, we know what's what's going to happen, right? We know the premise of the film, and uh, the mom says to her daughter, specifically the first. I think one of the first lines in the film is, "I can't. I, I love your voice. I can't wait to hear what it'll be like when you're older." Right. That doesn't happen. What are you talking about? And then the kids start saying, like, uh, are we there? You said five minutes, like, half an hour ago. And then the mom says, like, you should learn to enjoy time or something like that. And I'm like, it, it, those being the opening lines of the film, I was excited for this movie. And I heard those lines and I'm like, oh, my God, this one's going to be tough, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of talk of time. Even even when they're on the beach, there's a, there's a moment where Thomas and Mackenzie and Vicky Kripes get into an argument. And then Thomas and Mackenzie just says, like, I just need a little bit of time. And she walks away. And then Vicky Kripe, like, that's a, that line is fine. That line is fine. Yeah, and you kind of giggle. But then Vicky Kripe says, 
uh, we don't like under her breath. I think she says like, we don't, we don't have that sweetie. You know what I mean? And it's like, you don't need that line. (laughs) Um, Like, like, you know, like you said, it just takes one draft or even just get me in the editing bay. Just put me in the editing bay and I'll say, you don't need that. Cut away from that scene. You know what I mean? Let's make this movie five minutes shorter and get rid of a lot of the exposition because then that helps the idea of setting up a twist. If you're so obsessed with setting up a twist, withhold more information. Honestly, just give me less. Um, Anyways, Let's let let's let's do some plugs real quick, and then we'll get into some, some spoilers. Uh, Adam, them. do you do you? Ha- oh, let's, you know what? Yeah, let's rank them first. Hold on, let me take that back then. Uh, before we do our plugs and then spoilers, let, let's let's rank them. Adam, how many films of M Night Shyamalan's oeuvre have you seen? Uh, three. And three how would you films. rank those three films? Uh, I would probably do that. Uh, Sixth Sense. Oh no, I've seen four actually. Um, so I would do that Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Old, Last Airbender. Okay. I mean, that, that's a slam dunk. That's, a, that's, that's an extremely right. easy rank Yeah, yeah. Uh, and how would you rank the three films we've talked about on this show? Uh, from best to worst, I would do Pig, Zola, Old. <laughs> Again, <laughs> right. pretty easy, I think. Not difficult. Uh, all right, cool. All right, and I will rank the movies of this episode. Uh, number one, Pig. Number two, Old. Number three, Zola. Or an incomplete for Zola. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I will rank the ten M. Night Shyamalan films I have seen as such. I do not have this written down, so I will go from memory. And you can count how many I've said. Number one, Unbreakable. Number two, The Sixth Sense. Number three, and closing in on number two quickly, is The Village. Uh, this is where it gets really weird. <laughs> number four, Lady in the Water. Number five, Signs. Number six, Split. Number seven, Old. Number eight, Glass. Although Glass is a very weird movie, and I need to think about my seven and eight because they're pretty damn close. Glass, on the other hand, uh, compared to old, has a beautiful twist at the end and leaves you leaving the theater like, was that movie good as opposed to was that movie terrible? You know what I mean? Like if that if if Glass didn't have the twist that it has at the end and kind of the beautiful wrap up of that entire trilogy, I would say that movie is a total disaster. But uh, he he really pulls it together at the end, which is very odd uh, compared to what we saw in old. But um, what are we at? Number eight. Uh, no, no, number nine. I'm sorry. We're at number nine. Uh, that would be The Visit, which I like. I like The Visit. I just think it's Shyamalan on, like, the easiest mode he can be on. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's some really scary and very weird stuff in there. Uh, a pretty fun twist <laughs> that everyone can see coming. And then at number ten uh, is The Happening, uh, which I think is uh, maybe the worst casting I've ever seen in a movie. It's just Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel do not work at all. And I've <laughs> seen some takes online saying that if those two are not in that movie, that movie might rock. <laughs> like that movie might be really, really good. Uh, but as it stands, I like nine of those 10 movies. And um, Adam, we're going to be revisiting the happening very soon. Do you want to tell the folks at home why? That's right, Trevor. We are going to be doing uh, our first Marathon Man episode. Yes, Marathon Men, right? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, why don't we call it <laughs> Marathon Man and Marathon Boy? No, okay, you can be Marathon Boy. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're going to be watching three M. Night Shyamalan movies in a row. This will be very exciting because uh, you can name the movies, but I have never seen any of these three movies. And you, of course, have ranked them. 
Sure. Yeah. So this is an interesting way of doing it. I mean, I mean, I'm saying it's interesting, but we're going to go backwards from the, how I described it. Basically, we're going to start where the train blew up. We're going to start with the happening and then we're going to go back in time to Lady in the Water where the train uh, left the rails. And then we're going to end with the village where the train started shaking on the rails. Um, so we're kind of going to go from his uh, seventh movie to – I'm sorry, from his sixth movie to his fifth movie to his fourth movie, which is um, where people kind of historically thought was like the really bad run but didn't know Last Airbender and After Earth are around the corner. You know what I mean? They were like, mm -hmm. oh, this is a historic. We've never had a filmmaker start with three movies so good and then make three movies so bad and then didn't know how bad it would get and then didn't know that it might get like pretty good again. So – um, we'll kind of examine those movies. I ranked Lady in the Water fourth on my Shyamalan rankings, and we'll get into why after I watch it. After we watch it, it might completely change. We'll see. We'll maybe we'll have to rank them again after I watch all three <laughs> of these movies. But uh, we're going to be watching all three of them back to back to back, and we're going to be recording our thoughts in between each screening. What do you think about that, Adam? I'm very excited. Uh, I think we're doing this at Casa del Trevor. <laughs> well, we'll see. Where, we'll, we'll see where we're going to do it, Marathon Boy. But I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah, I'm very excited. I, I, I like the idea of watching more M. Night. You know, like I said, I did end up enjoying old. Yeah, and I think we might just, uh, like, for fun, for some guests on the show, we might just invite, like, some people over. Like, for example, why not invite Sammy? Sammy's never seen any of these movies. It'd be right. fun for him to watch these three movies. He, yeah. I mean, I think it. I think Old blew his fucking mind. I think it was simultaneously way better and simultaneously way worse than he was expecting. <laughs> yeah, I completely see why, too, you know? I mean, there's... <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I guess it's nice that he kind of is unrestricted because he makes these anomaly of these films. Right. But uh, also, dang, it would be cool to have like an editor that wasn't enabling him. <laughs> totally, totally. But wait, you know what? When you pay for the whole damn production, it's it's tough. It is yeah, tough. That's true. Um, and it's a total weakness. And I'm, I'm not justifying somebody not taking a note. But anyways, uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we get into old spoilers? Um, yeah, just check out my website, Adam J.C. Wagner, where I post the stuff I make. Awesome. And I'm on Letterboxd, at Captain Dills, and my personal is at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, follow us at Ghost Party Picks. Please hit that subscribe button on Spotify. It, it does help us. And then subscribe on iTunes. Uh, if, if you're by somebody right now, a loved one or a friend, grab their phone. If they have an iPhone, go to the App Store and subscribe to Ghost Party Radio. Please do that. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, so we've been, uh, at Zola, we've been porked and we've gotten old. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, I'm ready to get even older now as we discuss, I guess spoilers are just going to be the problems of the film, right? Uh, yeah, but we can also get into more like st and stuff we liked too. I mean, there's some stuff that I really liked that would be massive spoilers for the movie, but let's say bye to all you casuals out there who haven't seen old yet. Please go see old in theaters and then come back after this alarm and listen to our spoiler discussion. Right. But if you have to pick between seeing pig and old this weekend, uh, pick pig. Definitely old. Thank you. Uh, all right. Uh, so go ahead, Adam, sound the alarm. Ding, 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 ding. It's time for spoilers. And of course, we will edit in a uh, <laughs> edit in an alarm there, so it's not just your voice. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see how much time you have. Okay, so they're gone. These 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 people. These these. <laughs> there's your Daniel Plainview thing. These <laughs> people who didn't see old opening weekend. Like, what? It was crazy that I didn't see it until Monday night. Like that, it blew yeah. my mind that I wouldn't see the new M Night movie like opening weekend. Because you waited for me. That's so sweet. <laughs> and I was trying to boost that Monday night box office. Right. 
Um, where do we so, start? Let's hit. Let's hit with something egregious. Okay. Um, so, uh, I mean, uh, so 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 there's the line towards the end of the movie, right? Where there, uh, it's it's so we get this really honestly this really beautiful scene on the beach at the end during the during well in the evening where you have the main family. Everyone else is dead. Um, they they've 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 mixed by the way you've seen the movie so i can speak obscurely about it uh, the listener at home they've mixed the mentally ill patients with the physically ill patients which has led <laughs> to the patients murdering each other essentially on the beach or just going crazy right and they're all dead other than of course our core four family which is vicky cripes uh, gail garcia bernal um alex wolf and thomas and mckenzie and wait wait, wait. Uh, before you continue there let's talk about that i wasn't even thinking about how uh, big of a plot hole that was until M. Night specifically brought it up by having that one scientist say, you know, I'm going to be a broken record, but I really think we should separate, you know, the mentally ill and the physically sick. Yeah, great idea. The boss doesn't want to listen to them. They have time. They have time to do that. And they don't so do crazy. it. But it's weird. Like, I definitely would have thought about it if, if they hadn't mentioned it. And after they mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, that's stupid. And if they're going chronologically, do you know what test subject these people were? um 73 or something 73 so he said this 72 times yeah like Ridiculous. like because like, <laughs> it, it messes up the whole experiment it doesn't no, work it, it, it ruins it completely and it's totally like a plot hole they, they thought of and we're like we the village has something like this too uh that we'll get to when we watch it but it's it's a totally unnecessary and it, like they don't need to point it out because just like let it be a thing that maybe they just didn't think of or something. You yeah. know, it, it's just like so lazy to have a character stand and deliver something like that. I mean, the movie has a lot of lazy shit like that. Yeah. Um, why don't we just start from the beginning? I mean, we're at like 57 minutes in this episode, but we're going to go to like the hour, 10 minute mark, I think, on this one because we're really going to get into this movie. But what did you think about the and the very we'll just start from the very beginning. Um, I think that the the two kids, the relationship at the um, the hotel is very cute. I, I really, really like that. Uh, I thought that, of course, the dialogue is a little bit stiff. It's it's M. Night really. It's him stretching to be like, yeah, this is how kids talk, right? Like, <laughs> who are you? What is your occupation? Who yeah. are you? What is your you know what I mean? Like, um, I That's have forty two conch shells. I have forty two, and it's not it's not bad. I mean, I really enjoy it, and it, it is funny. It's, you know, it's like because you know who wrote this movie. You know who wrote every line of dialogue of this movie. So, right. um, uh-huh. yeah, I did actually like that. Even even throughout the film, I liked their relationship, the two of them. Even though it's not. It's nothing specifically that strong, and we yeah. for a big chunk of the movie in the middle there, they don't have a relationship. But I didn't no, like yeah. that. Yeah, not. I mean, not at all, right? And there's even a moment before they, they it's like when his uncle, who runs the resort and the big pharma company, um, when he uh, like tells them about the private beach or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. which I I found that to be f- fairly realistic. I I've been on vacation before where like someone like someone will walk up to you and be like, "Well, we're doing this like." this hike later this afternoon and we don't really tell all of our guests about this hike and stuff like that. Like I, yeah. I didn't think that was too heavy handed. No. Um, but you have this moment where I can't remember the little kid's name. His name is like Ichab- Ichabod or something. It's, it's an, it's an, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's a really interesting name. Uh-huh. Um, and you can see him wanting to walk over to them and like warn them. Like I really liked that like thing. And it's funny because when you know what twist is coming and, or you've had the plot of this movie shoved down your throat from trailers, it doesn't help the forebodingness of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you mentioned on, had you not seen the trailer a billion times and knew what the movie was about, maybe that dialogue in the first scene wouldn't have been as painful to you. 
Right. I think I think you're right there, but it does feel weird anyway. But how are you going to get away from the premise? Like, I don't think anyone here is going to go into old, you yeah, know, not knowing what it is. At least right now. Yeah, totally. Especially, and I've been really loving the memes, by the way. Yeah, exactly. But, um, so we have some. So we have this thing where it's like he really, he really gives everyone like very th- not thin. He, he, everybody has like one quirk essentially. Right. But. They're, they're all defined by their illnesses, which is very funny and very mm-hmm. thin, and maybe one quirk that they have, maybe, you know. Which I actually um, did like sort of that setup because because uh, we kind of get to see that at the uh, resort. You know, we go around during that breakfast scene seeing everyone's yep. quirk. And I was kind of like, I know this is really, this is shallow, but I'm excited to see how these all kind of mix together and how they're going to pay off. I think aside from the dialogue being very heavy-handed, M. Night has a habit of what it seems like very heavy-handed setup and payoffs. Totally, yeah. So he, he's really setting up like this like Gilligan's Island-esque thing of like, I'm going to show you what all these people have. Like, oh, this person has seizures. This person is a doctor. So this person comes over. And it's actually – it. I think it's like fairly well done and fairly natural that like someone would have a seizure at breakfast. A doctor would come over and say like, I'm a doctor. Like I like that's not heavy-handed to me. It's like that, like that would happen. Um, but it's like then you have Ken Lung saying to the guy like – my, I, I'm Jaren. Uh, I'm a blah, blah, blah. It's like, why would he tell him that? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. he says, like, I'm a nurse. I guess that makes sense, actually. He says, I'm a nurse or whatever. Yeah, but I think it would he says his name, like, three times. And it's like, what? Yeah. stop doing this. Um, and then his setup with Abby Lee, where she's calcium deficient, which does pay off uh, insanely. Yeah. Um, but she's, like, doing this weird thing where she's, like, it's like we're holding on her for, like, 45 seconds while she talks about this drink she's ordering. Actually, and I think that kind of works, too. I think that's kind of a clever way to have introduced the calcium deficiency. It, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not complaining. about. It's like, but why do we have to hold on for so long? It could right. just be like, uh, uh, she could have literally just been like, um, I'll have the calcium, blah, 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 blah. Does that actually have a lot of calcium in it, or is it just kind of a trendy thing? Because I do have a calcium deficiency. And, and he could be like, <laughs> it does. And she'd be like, great, thank you. But yeah. instead, she, like, flirts with the guy for, like, 45 seconds. Um, and it's like, we're going to understand that she's vain soon. Like, we will see that she's vain. Like, that's the point of her character, right? She yeah. becomes the shrieking thing in the <laughs> cave that says, like, don't look at me or whatever, you know? Yeah, you know, dude, now that you mention it, that was really weird to think about. Because that really doesn't have a payoff that she's, like, a flirty person. Because, I mean, she she doesn't yes. do that on the beach or anything. Yeah, the flirting does not come into, it, it does not come into, you know, later in the movie, her and her doctor husband... Uh, they're getting away not because of marital problems because they have a child, right? right. They're not getting away because of marital problems because there's that scene where she says like, uh, oh, well, he's been stressed at work or whatever. And he says like, that's enough. And she's like, I'm not going to say anything else. And it's like, <laughs> are we supposed to like, oh, did he cheat on him? Or blah, blah. It's like, no, he's just developing dementia. Like that, we learn that very quickly, right? Yeah. Um, let's, if we, if we can for a second, let's talk about plot hole number two here. Sure. Um, well, hold on. What... I, and it's fine that we're jumping around, right? Because if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie, so we don't have to fill in the gaps for you. Right. You've seen the film, so it's not our job to fill in those gaps. <laughs> um, but this is the one that Zushan pointed out. Like, why not just make it an adult-only uh, resort? Because there's no reason to have these kids put onto the beach. They're not sick or anything. It's just to watch them die, pretty much. Right. And I I did not realize this until after the film. I was like, wait, none of those kids had anything wrong with them. Yeah, exactly. And that that heavily like takes away from sort of um, the good work that they're supposed to be doing. But but some of the some of the illnesses could be hereditary. Right. So they could see over the course of one day if these illnesses were transferred onto their children and blah, 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 blah. 
But if, even if they were, those kids weren't given the cocktail at the beginning, right? When they get there. Right. Exactly. And, so so they wouldn't even have the medicines to be testing. Yeah. And they don't mention that where they specifically mention uh, the whole mental illness thing. So I don't think it even occurred to anyone there. It's just so funny that he, they get off the bus in the beginning and they get like cocktails, which again is something that totally would happen. But it's like she says, based on your profile that you gave us, we made these cocktails, and it's right. like they're just what what I, the only reason I find the the twist the twist clever is because they're putting it in your face the whole time. Everyone uh-huh. on this beach is ill in one way or another, but you still can't quite put together why why is it like this? And then when finally the guy goes. You know, nature gave us this beach to do this testing. You're like, oh, that is kind of clever, but like, I'm getting nothing out of this. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, uh, anyways, we're jumping around a little bit too much, but no. But so you're, yeah, you're... I enjoyed the setups. I agree with you. I don't know if I enjoyed the setups, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it seems like the takeaway here is that this this guy who runs a clinic is a complete moron because of of all these things. You know, the the mental illness thing, the kids thing, and it makes it like sort of a weird. Uh, just really sort of negates what the twist is in a way, you know? Right, but I have a, I have a, I have a fix for the movie, right? Yes. We have this, and, and you could argue with me on this, sure. We have this really beautiful moment where we get like vintage M. Night Shyamalan on the beach where characters are just unsubtly saying what they think of each other, right? We have this moment where um, Gail Garcia Bernal has lost his sight, essentially, Vicky Kripes has lost her hearing, and we have this uh, moment where, like, like Gail Garcia Bernal just says to – and it's, like, in this kind of messy, weirdly violent for a PG-13 movie, how in the world is he able to hit, hit a scene like this? In my opinion, he does. You could totally disagree, and I'm sure a lot of people do. But he, he basically says, like, I saw your text messages, and I should have said something. Like, I, you know, I, I'm sorry you had to even go to him. I should have been better to you. And she was like, I'm sorry that I went to him. And then, like, t- like you know, 20 seconds passes, and he looks over at her, and he says, like, were we just arguing? And then she says, like, yeah, but it's okay now. And he says, like, yeah, I'm not mad anymore. And it's like, that's actually kind of beautiful. In my opinion, that's kind of beautiful. And then they die. They just die. And you're like, oh, man, I really liked that. I really liked that. And then you should just stick with Thomas and McKenzie and Alex Wolf, who are given the two best performances in your movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. You should just stick with them on the beach. And I don't care if you show me the whole time they've been watched. I don't care if you like if you even just make it so transparent that they've been put on the speech for some reason. Just end the movie. Yeah. Just end the movie, and we have this beautiful ending where we're like, why they were put on the speech for a reason, but it does not matter. And when we're told why it matters, it adds nothing, and it makes the film significantly worse, in my opinion. Right. We get into a very sloppy, uh, very hasty sort of third act. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think there's a glimpse in that beach scene. Um, oh, they're all beach scenes. There's a glimpse in that old scene. Uh, no, wait a minute. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a glimpse in the scene that you were talking about of like what this movie could be if they focused on sort of the the loss of of, of these people and, and the loss of time. Yes. Um, I thought it was okay. I don't know if I, I would consider it beautiful also, but, uh, you know, I think that that scene works because it's probably the most underwritten scene. You know? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It, it has it has flashes of old M Night, 
where they're like whispering to each other. We're forced to sit there and quiet down and listen to them. And even though like the dialogue is not like whiz bang, incredible dialogue, it's just like, he's gotten you to this point. It's the Spielberg effect of how did the T-Rex get into the building at the end of Jurassic park without them seeing how did, did, how was he able to really hit jaws with his final shot and blow up jaws? And Spielberg basically just says like, listen, if, if you're thinking about that in that moment, then I've lost you anyway. I don't care about you. You know what I mean? So it, Shyamalan gets you to a point where he, he's like, if he loses you during that scene, he lost you long before that scene anyway. So right. it's either going to work or it's not going to work. Um, yeah. And so they're, they're yeah. like talking about like, uh, one thing that I really like is that they, they say, like, why him? You know, why of all people? Right. We, we don't know. We don't get to learn more about that. And that's what well, the whole thing should have been. I believe that was a little bit earlier, though. I believe that was a little bit earlier in the movie when he when he's uh, unless I'm wrong. I, I, I think earlier he says like that guy. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was that scene. Yeah, because I don't I don't think there's ever like a, a clue. A as st- to... <laughs> there's also never a, a scene where they sit down and stop. And like that's what I like about that scene so much is that when they're growing older, the camera and by the way, Knight directs the shit out of this movie. Like there's some really weird direction and there's some really good, interesting direction, but he's always trying, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. He's always trying to show I think um you maybe would agree with this, but the moments with uh, Eliza Scanlon when she's uh by the way, the three best performances in this movie are Eliza Scanlon, Thomas and McKenzie and Alex Wolf, kind of the, the the kind of the younger actors who get to come in and um, sort of I think I give by far the best performances because they just essentially play scared teenagers, scared young adults. Right. Um, and it's the part where she's pregnant, she's having the baby, right? And the camera is just drifting down the beach and then coming back mm-hmm. and showing the the passing of time. And you go past Alex Wolf and he Gal Garcia Bernal is grabbing is like holding him and he's saying like uh, I'm gonna marry her. Yeah. I'm gonna marry her and that's like him in like his teenage like uh, I love her, I love her, you I'm know. I'm not what gonna mean? get a divorce like you guys. Yeah, good, yeah, and actually. it's like this teenager shit and it's like you could say it's corny, but like it's like that's what like a kid who just turned into a teenager probably would be saying. Yeah, I thought and that worked for sure her being terrified of having a baby and then coming back and the baby's dead. It's just, and they're like, how did it die? And it's it died due to lack of attention because of the way, like they set it down. They're like, we set it down for like 10 seconds. And they're like, yeah, that equates to, you know, a month. Right. Right. Uh, So when you, when when it's like stuff like that, you're like, God, that is interesting. Right. Um, But well, like, can you pluck out of obscurity? One thing that you really liked about the movie? Like I just, I just said that that sequence, which is like five minutes long, I think was very gripping. Yeah. I mean, I love that sequence and I love just sort of the, the whole middle, you know, on the beach and, and right. panicking. I mean, the whole thing is just people freaking the heck out for, for like 45 minutes or so. And I really did like that. I like sort of, yeah. cause I wanted to know too. And I was kind of trying to watch closely to see if I could figure it out. Yeah, it's like a situation where it's just like um, we're with the characters and being like, what is wrong with this beach? By the way, we were going to all cheer audibly in the audience when Vicky Kripe said her iconic line from the, uh, from the trailer, there's something wrong with this beach. And then she never said it. That was the biggest <laughs> twist in the movie. Right. Which is funny because we were on edge and we like looked at each other when one of them almost said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, uh, uh, Sammy and I bursted out laughing when. Uh, the doctor has he's dealing with a couple of things his his uh his mother and the dog die like almost immediately mm-hmm. he uh, he's dealing with mid-sized sedan uh and the potential threat that he's another plot there. hole by the way oh we need to talk about that because I thought about that recently too and it makes absolutely no sense but um 
and then he comes back to uh, she. Vicky Krebs keeps saying like, "I know you're really busy and stuff, but like, there's something wrong with my kids. You need to check my kids." And then he comes back, and then we cut back to him, and I think it's ADR, and I swear to God, his line is, "Yes, these children have aged." <laughs> <laughs> and it is so funny. It's like, yeah, yeah, we know, dude. <laughs> um, is the midsize sedan plot hole that we see him the night before? And then come to him the next day, and he hasn't aged at all. Absolutely, yeah, that's that's really weird. And I think there's a line of dialogue I may have forgotten about where they try to cover that up, but it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Like even though he has the like, they're like, oh, he has like a blood clot issue or whatever. It's like he still would oh, age, right? Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And I think then I think that's just a hint at why he's on the beach in the first place. Um, but I think what's weird is. That it kind of hints at a, there being another twist, right? Like I, I maybe it, maybe that's why he's in there because it's a red herring. Because I was thinking right. like, oh, maybe because he's in the shade, you know, maybe the sun on this beach is what's affecting them. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it turns out, no, not at all. No, no, it's just way <laughs> simpler than that. Yeah, that that's like such a glaring plot hole that that maybe you and I missed something where they covered it up somehow. But I I, I don't think so. I don't. But think I don't think there's the a way for that to be possible, right? For them to have covered right. it up. And also, I love the way that Sammy pointed out um, that they, they they try to get these people and then they scrub their internet data, you know, because they want to take people that aren't going to be found out. And then they, they pick a world-famous rapper to bring to the beach. <laughs> yeah. Like, Thomas and McKenzie, the younger version, like, on site, sees him immediately and is like, right. that is mid-sized sedan. <laughs> like, halfway across the beach, she's like, I know that man. That is mid-sized sedan. <laughs> yeah. So... I, again, that just points to, I mean, one, how stupid the uh, the guy who running the, this resort is. Yeah. But I don't think you can blame him too much. I think it's in the writing. There's a, the only thing I can I can possibly give to you in that situation is that midsize sedan does say he has a very rare blood clotting disease. So um, maybe they're like, man, this is so rare that unfortunately, even though it's this famous of a person, we do need to get to, to work on this uh, medicine. But it's not that rare, right? It's not one in seven billion that they need to get the famous <laughs> rapper for it. I mean, okay, he does say very rare. Now I'm giving I'm giving Knight a lot of credit there for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean that concept is really really interesting. But it's like he keeps doing these twists that aren't twists because they come so out of left field but like at the same time we are given the hints for this twist for sure but it's crazy that you would never sit there and be like oh it's it's big pharma they're 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 putting them on this beach so that they can test them quickly which i think is again mm. for the third time this episode very clever very yeah. clever but just so out of left field that it's not even a twist it's just sort of an irrelevant i don't even know i don't know man yeah and you said this movie was mean uh, this movie's pretty mean. Like the like every character dies like such a horrible death. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we get that cool Japanese body horror stuff going oh, on. God, even that, that, that was crazy. That, that, yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, it was creepy. It was like probably the most clever creepy thing you could do with sort of rapid time aging, calcium deficiency. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then the way that it's done in that tunnel. Um, yeah. Did you find this movie to be very violent for a PG thirteen film? Oh yeah, I didn't even that didn't even occur to me. That it was PG thirteen, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he's like the king of the PG because of the money, right? You need to get yeah. the. But uh, someone was like, I think it would have been better if it was rated R. And I'm like, in what way? Like, what could have been more violent? All right, let's let's get to it. Let's talk about the third act here. 
<laughs> um, you, you mean the you mean the fourth act sure. after the twist? Um, yeah, let's talk about the most egregious part of his third act. I think uh, right at the beginning, the crystal tunnel that resolves everything. Yeah, the uh, the second we get to the beach, I think Vicky Kripe says, "Wow, look at that beautiful coral reef out there." <laughs> Uh, and it's like, oh, that's the key to the movie, right? <laughs> um, so we come to Thomas and Mackenzie and Alex Wolf's character sitting on the beach the night after everyone is dead. Their parents have died quietly on the beach due to old age. And they're in their 50s now. Uh, and it's not bad makeup. They've just gotten new actors who was pretty good casting. And they start building yeah. a sandcastle because they've essentially just reserved themselves to dying. Which, uh, and And we're sitting here, right? And we're all just like... Okay, where's the cue going to be for the twist here? Is it going to, you know, and the good Shyamalan twist is the Sixth Sense twist where he, um, spoilers for the 1999 film Sixth Sense, where he goes up and he grabs the red knob onto the basement and you visually are given immediately the, like, you can pick up through simple visuals, Mm -hmm. oh, he's a ghost. Mm -hmm. Like, immediately, you know what I mean? That's a good twist. Not the twist where... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where he, uh, Alex Wolf's character has to say, oh, man, I really liked when Idlib used to write me those coded messages. Oh, by the way, the day we left, which was yesterday. It's, granted, it was yesterday. But mm-hmm. he says, he gave me one, and I didn't decode it. And then <laughs> Thomas and McKenzie just goes, go do it now. Like, go do it. You know what I mean? And I'm just mm-hmm. like, Ugh. And then he decodes it. And Adam, what does it say? It says, uh, my uncle hates the crystals or whatever. The coral, yeah. The coral. He doesn't like the coral. And I think, the, so, I think the worst part about this is not that that it's coming from an outside source, but that it's just like some random BS that we could not have guessed ever. Totally. I mean, yes, exactly. It's just a horrible plot device to get to a bad twist. Right. Um, and, and I also like, if we can jump ahead just for a few seconds, um, when uh, M. Knight's character leaves he's like hey i waited and watched uh and it's been a minute and a half and they're not here one and a half minutes where does he have to go why can't he sit there for like another five minutes or so tom cruise can hold his breath underwater for six minutes yeah exactly i know margot robbie can do it for five thanks to uh harley quinn and it, and it is it is revealed sort of cleverly how they were able to do that how they came up for air kind of through that little pocket and we kept going back down but I mean, if you're in that moment in that coral reef, are you are you thinking, hey, they're watching us? Let's fake like we're dead, or was that just a happy accident? That, yeah, that it was just an accident for sure, and it, it, right. it stuns me how. Uh, why couldn't she take off her her weird jacket? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. And uh, and also, it, it's very funny that we're that we leave those characters as if the movie's really just going to kill them, right? Like, right. oh, they're yeah. dead. You know what I mean? It's like, no, we know they're not dead. Right. But it is so funny when he packs up his shit after one and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, how did that dialogue not just get changed to? I waited around for ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. Make it I more realistic. I waited around for a half hour. People can hold their breath for longer <laughs> than in a minute and a half, dude. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, hey, listen, the whole thing is bad, but that is, I, I, you know what? I'm putting my stamp on it. That is the most egregiously bad part of the movie right there when he says, <laughs> I waited for one and a half minutes. 
Yeah, the fact that he had to say that specific. Uh, and he's just packing the stuff up, and he says, like, oh, we're done. But number 73 is done. I'm heading back to base. And I'm just sitting here like, here it comes. Here comes the twist. Because none of this is a twist so far, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the coral reef is reveal, him being up on the cliff, not a twist. We know that someone's been watching them the whole time. It all being part of an experiment, not a twist. The twist is when they get back to the big pharma shack in the back of this hotel, and we learn that these people are running extremely important tests <laughs> so that's why the movie is like emotionally muddled to me is because it's like yes they should not be killing these people and 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 also why can't they do this on animals i mean i hate to say it but like why can't they just put animals on this beach we saw it worked on the dog right or you know i feel like they could get volunteers for this thing like hey you're probably you're gonna die from this but you'll be able to be important <laughs> research for the future <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Like, hey, you are terminal. You are. Well, right. Although, if you get someone who's terminal on that beach, they're going to die real quick. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. But the medicine either takes or it doesn't, right? Right. Well, and, what, what does it matter? You know, the medicine would be sped up as well. Right. Exactly. And I think, uh, I mean, so yeah, funny. that's a good point. And still, no, no need for children. No need to ment- mix the mentally ill with the physically ill. Like, those are just evil. <laughs> and I just, and still. I'm telling you, I'm not disliking this ending yet. I'm still not disliking. Yeah, here we go. So let me let me put the first domino for you. Sure. Uh, actually, I mean, you should be disliking it from the Crystal Tunnel. But let me let me set up uh, the black cop in the movie. Right. Go on. Who, who we we learn we learn is a cop from the beginning. Yeah, and uh, I believe uh, you uh, flipped uh, him off in the theater right away. <laughs> No, I did not. I put my thumbs down because oh, okay. uh, uh, young Alex Wolf walks up to three people and says, hi, what are your names and what are your occupations? Which, again, I, clever. I mean, like fun, yeah, not, right? Not Cause, the worst, yeah. Because when they say the three things, I don't think, oh, this is going to come back. I actually truly did not think, oh, this is going to come back. Right. But I thought those back... guys were going to be on the beach. Right, right, right. But we come back to the resort. It's been again. It's been one day, uh, and uh, Alex Wolf. We don't see them. They're off screen. But he walks up to the cop and says, "Like you're a cop, right?" And hands him. Uh, we met. We forgot to mention the notebook. But hands him a notebook of all these people who were previously on the beach, and um, you know, all of them are missing persons. And basically, they bring in like the Dominican Republicans. Uh, the D- Dominican Republic SWAT team uh, descends on this beach or on this uh, hotel, and it none of it is satisfying. None of it. Mm-hmm. It's not. An, it's not going to give them their parents back. It's not. Of course, that needs to be shut down. And M Night is like it's 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 an indictment on Big Pharma, but it's like not this movie, man. Like right. you, you didn't like you had strong thematics going at some point in this movie, right? Right. You have, why bring like at the very last moment? Oh yeah. Also, we're going to make an indictment on big pharma. <laughs> it's like, why? Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think, I mean, that last scene, it cuts to black and then there's a, a last scene of the helicopter. Like for some reason, just sitting, uh, flying above the ocean, looking at the crystal, you know, yeah. beach area. Terrible. Yeah, Terrible. for some reason, it had to get one last look. And then some of the worst, like, cleanup dialogue, like, oh, well, you're going to go stay with your aunt? Yeah, how would your, you think your aunt felt? Your, how would you feel if you said your 11-year-old told you he was 50 or whatever? Yeah, you know, I mean, just the, the, unnecessary. that last scene is, I, I, I've never seen a more tacked-on ending to a, a tacked-on ending. Right, and it just really, really, really annoying. And then it cuts off, and then there you go. That's the end of the movie. The... But it, but like, also, what's what's the? It's it's pro, very pro cop. It has to be right. 
Yeah, no, for sure. A hundred percent. Like it could be anything else. I mean, like I said, he could have been a detective. He could have been like some higher up, you know, yeah. something that distanced himself from that. But he's specifically just the lowest rung, a cop. The that it's a, a, a bad take I saw that was that it was pro cop and then anti-vax because uh, there was the idea of like, stop rushing these vaccines. Like, you know, you need, they need to be tested correctly and stuff like that. And I'm like, that, I, that I was not that, the thought process going yeah, into this movie. I don't think that one works, but, but I uh, think it, the pro cop thing I think is definitely there, which is weird. And I think, you know, maybe, I don't know how chill M night is. Cause I'm going back and I'm looking at his past casting and he's got Mark Wahlberg. He got Mel Gibson in a movie like his, maybe he's not that chill of a dude. Um, I mean, Mark Wahlberg is just a, a him taking that movie to every studio and Fox finally saying yes and then saying, but you have to cast Mark Wahlberg because mm-hmm. he's like, he's our guy right now. Um, the Mel Gibson thing I'll defend because A, Mel Gibson is really great in signs and B, uh, people, it's not like he casted him post the shit that Mel right. Gibson did. Fair, I mean, yeah. it was pretty close, but mm-hmm. that movie is a huge hit because of Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. And, and M. Night, you know. Yeah. But anyways, no, I'm not defending. M. Night, I will say this. At some point, he had a horrible, horrible e- ego around the uh, Lady in the Water time where he sent the script to Disney. We're, we're going, we're going, this, this episode's going to be an hour and 20 minutes, everyone. This, like, listen, we get one of these movies every two years, so <laughs> just chill out. He took the Lady in the Water script, and we'll get into this, to Disney, essentially, uh, who had made his first three movies, which were huge hits. They read the script, the incomprehensible script for that film, I'm sure, <laughs> and said, great, Knight, we want to make it. It seems interesting, but I have just a couple of questions. Literally, like, this is apparently how it went down, and, and then Knight said, I'm taking this movie somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> like, straight up, like, do not question me. And that's the ego you get when you make three huge hits out right. the gate and you think that you're untouchable right right or four. Still I mean, must have. four the he village really, was a huge hit too yeah he, he must still have that ego definitely but he film. his public persona is a little more chilled out he has daughters now and yeah. um but but i think i think that again i'm not glorifying it but i think when you post 100 percent of your production budget you're allowed to make these terrible decisions doesn't mean I, i'm it doesn't mean i don't have to stomp around the the uh the parking lot in my suit yelling about it <laughs> Right, which is weird because, like, I'm going to write a movie. I'm, I'm writing a short film right now. I'm going to be the funding that 100%. I still <laughs> want people to come out and be like, hey, this is pretty whack. You know, this dialogue's on the nose. I don't want you. You probably should change that. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I, and I will tell you that. Yeah, thank you. That's what I want. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly what I would want. And the fact that he doesn't want that is kind of a bummer. Well, we're going to talk a lot about M. Night Shyamalan in our next episode as if we didn't do it here. But mm-hmm. uh, I do love that the spoiler part of this episode was almost as long as the normal part. Right. Well, there's just, I mean, when you delve into that third act, it's just, there's a lot to, to talk about. Do you want to know what my second least favorite part of exposition in the movie was? Yes. Is when the plant of all of the rusty stuff on the beach is done fairly well and, and interesting, right? Yeah. And then uh, Vicky Kripes, because uh, when you slash someone on this beach, another interesting thing is that you just heal immediately, right? Right. So Vicky Kripes has to kill uh, Rufus Sewell, who maybe has the best performance in the movie as the um, mm-hmm. kind of a um, sick doctor, right? Who like gets more and more racist as his dementia sets in. Right. Um, it, you know what my favorite shot of the movie is? Is when he, he kills mid-sized sedan and then he's kind of in the corner in, the, in like the cove yeah. and the camera's really detached from him and he looks just like a caged animal mumbling and walking around. Yeah. I found that to be like really scary. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I thought that was actually pretty interesting. 
Uh, but anyway, so uh, Vicky Kripes takes because she can't because uh, uh, the doctor keeps slashing them. Like she's like he's like cutting up Vicky Kripes back and Gail Garcia Bernal, but they're like healing. And um, then she grabs a rusty knife and uh, stabs him. Right. Mm-hmm. And visually, we are seeing that the his blood is turning like because the rust is turning black or whatever. And he is dying like he's dying a horrible, horrible death. But Vicky Kripes still has to say out loud. This knife is rusted, and when it gets into your bloodstream, it's like we're seeing that happen. Right. That, that that's a perfect example of what I mean of like the the foreign markets, but like needing that explanation. But then that literally breaks down to me saying that I think M Night Shyamalan thinks foreign markets are dumb. Right. And it's like they're not. Which is kind of weird. Actually, you know what that reminds me of is there's a lot of moments in like anime, like say Naruto, where they do something really clever uh, in like a fight. And then they spend the next few minutes just like breaking down what happened. And <laughs> it's obviously very annoying and they do it every single time. But maybe yeah. maybe they're onto something because anime appeals to a lot of foreign markets as well. <laughs> maybe they're onto something. Maybe I am onto something. That was my theory. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like, hey, and I put up all the money for this movie. I want to make sure it does well in foreign markets. Right. But, you know, foreigners, I mean, we just had Cannes Film Festival. Foreigners aren't stupid. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see some of these movies and see what we think of them before we make that decision. But right. uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, enough about old. We're going to be getting into three very, very interesting M. Night Shyamalan movies next week on uh, Marathon Men, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Marathon Man and Marathon Boy. <laughs> Let's not make that a thing. Uh, any final thoughts on old before we get out of here? Um, no, like I said, you know, I, it's easy to hate on because there's a lot of problems, but I did enjoy it. And uh you know, if you got some downtime, if you got like one of those five dollar uh, ticket deal days at a movie theater, you know why not go check it out? Give me one hundred olds before you give me another Zola. Oh my gosh, how dare you! A movie I did not see. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to genre catch up, Adam. We have officially uh, Zola that old pig. Not bad. Bye. Thanks. Bye. You got a new bottle of ketchup? Sure. It's on!